0: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Mayakova Golf Classic. Joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, what up, big guy?
1: Not much. The office is uh, slowly transitioning into what I want it to be. So uh, I still need a desktop. I'm operating. I've got one of those like stand sit desks, but there's no tabletop. So it's just like this frame that goes (laughs) up and down. My wife calls it my inspector gadget desk because it just <laughs> moves all over. It's it's not it's not a good scene, but we're getting there.
0: You have a stand sit frame is what yes,
1: you have. <laughs> pretty much.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's it's looking good. You're making progress over there. How was the Thanksgiving uh break? What were you what were you up to?
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, got to spend a little time uh, with family, you know, in kind of a a more condensed way, uh, traveled a little and, but it was great because I, I love it on these holidays where you, you can, you can do the Thanksgiving family thing, but you also get some of your own family time. And so we got two days with, with family and then two days on our own, which was, was fantastic. Got to, uh, it just it's nice that there's there's no golf going on. I mean, there how, was how on Friday. How dare you say that? Well, you know, I, it, we're we're back at it. We're, we've got we're we're good good field this week. But uh, yeah, it was nice to to get some downtime after the Masters.
0: You know what was crazy? So we just did. We literally just got together with my parents, like in their backyard. And despite there being four of us, uh, there was still food for forty. I think, which <laughs> that's, is like, yes, that's, is
1: that the rule? Like you still have to cook for forty. I, that's exactly what happened with us. And I was like, is there a small army that I don't know about that's coming through the, you know, Hennessy, Oklahoma? Like, what, what's going on here? I love it. Uh, and
0: then the the Friday, you know, put a dent in the couch, recover, get blessed with Chuck and Lefty going out and laying the smackdown on Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. What did you think of that whole uh, match part three?
1: Well, uh, producer Jacob and I were just talking about it, but after about the third or fourth hole, we were—I think we were both like, "Well, Rick nailed this." Because <laughs> I guess I—I I, was—I was stunned about two things. One, and I—you saw this coming. I didn't, and so I, I concede that I apologize. Uh, Steph was bad; like he wasn't very good, and that—that's not to say. I mean, he shot a seventy-one in a corn fairy event that's legit like that's that's big time um but he also shot an 87 in a corn fairy event which is more akin to how he played in in the event on friday he was just you know he wasn't like he didn't embarrass himself he just was not he just was not very good and then phil well okay so the second thing was that barkley was not
0: that bad He was very serviceable, especially around the greens, right? Him, him getting the opportunity to like lag the first putt or whatever was so valuable to them, just making a bunch of pars, taking, taking advantage of a a couple of the par fives. Like he was serviceable around the greens and he hit enough fairways.
1: Well, and, and I think the part that really helped them win holes was the fact that he, would just hit the, like, and we talked about this and I, I we talked about all this stuff and I still take <laughs> Steph and, and, uh, and Peyton, but he, he would hit a, a fairway and, and Phil would still be farther out, but his approach shot from farther out is, is going to be at least equivalent to what Peyton and Steph are doing. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when that doesn't happen, when Barkley has to hit the approach shot, they are, they would have been unable to make a lot of pars. And so pars could have won holes for Steph and, and Peyton but because Barkley was hitting fairways, Stephen Payton just, they couldn't win any holes because they didn't make any birdies. Right. And that led to just, what well, it was kind of a rout. And Barkley was talking trash on by like the eighth <laughs> hole. It was kind of sick.
0: There was a moment on like, I don't know, it might've been seven where Phil and Charles had won like three or four in a row and Steph flubs his chip green side and now they're chipping for like a five and Phil and and Phil and Barkley just give it to him there yeah where they still have to get up and down from where they are which is no like no small task. And, like, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to blow this, and this is where Steph and, Steph and, and Peyton are going to come back, but they still end up winning the hole,
1: and it just slams the, I mean, it was over seven holes. In. Phil is the most condescending match <laughs> match play player of all time. <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's atrocious. Like, you know he's wanted – and maybe he has done stuff like that in the Ryder Cup before, but, dude, he, his – like, his whole deal is – it's a little much for me at times. I think he's better when he can pick his spots. Like, mm-hmm. somewhere between – like he is with tiger and like he is with Barkley is what I, is kind of where I, what I want, but listen, he's going to be a lunatic as, as a Ryder cup captain. Like he is going to be, he's going to be, I don't know. He might not sleep for like four straight days. He's just going to be pounding coffee and it's going to be, it's going to be a circus. It's going to be awesome, but it's going to be a circus.
0: When Phil was just like, Charles, come here, come stand halfway between, between our putt here. Come come here. Let me, let me show you this. Okay. Tucson's over there. I'm like, Charles like, dude, just tell me, (laughs) is it like two cups out? Like just point your putter where you want me to aim this and I'll take it from there.
1: I think Barkley was kind of low key getting annoyed. (laughs) Like I I don't think it was that low key. He was, but they were winning. So it was all good. Well, and the the two things that really just killed me, both came from, from NBA players. One was Andre Iguodala saying plus one after every bad (laughs) Steph Curry shot pointed out his handicap, which by the way, if Steph's getting only two aside from, uh, from Phil, sign me up for, for Phil, especially on TV. Um, And then the other was Shaq telling Barkley, you can't even read words. How are you going to read green? That was like, and and, like the the phrase in and of itself, but the way he said it was (laughs) so funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If, if, uh, if Shaq would have been in his ear all day, it might've been a different story, but just, just surviving one hole there, the six, they were able to get away with it. But so, so good
1: that the, the whole, like uh, NBA and TNT that whole, it was a six hole or fifth hole six.
0: I think, yeah. The part three,
1: it was so entertaining. I mean, you, you walk away. I think, I think it was, uh, the, the head Brian Anderson, was he the main, yes. main broadcaster yeah. was saying, and and you can see why they've won a bunch of awards. And he was kind of joking, but it, it was true. Like the, it, it was unreal to see them all interact. And it was just, it was, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed that. I was watching it with my headphones on at my in-laws house. And, at one point, I just—I think it was the the Shaq statement—I just started laughing out loud, and I took my headphones off like <laughs> ten minutes later. And my wife was like, "What are you? What are you laughing about?" <laughs> I was like, "It's kind of hard to explain." <laughs> but <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: you gotta you gotta be
0: there. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, good partnership that those those NBA on TNT guys have. Also, good partnership here. Brand new partnership: PGA Tour and the European Tour mm. announced a quote strategic alliance kp so the 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 small bullet points that we have on this the pga tour is going to get a minority stake in the european tour they're going to work together on commercial opportunities that's always good sharing the global media rights and just more cooperation whether it's uh, player pool or prize pools whether it's scheduling whether it's opportunities just working together um to me this is uh, this just fends off the PGL, right? I mean, this is just once, st- is this one step closer to like a global, a global tour that we have here?
1: Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I read a lot about it. A lot of guys that are, that uh, cover golf in Europe were really good on this. I, obviously they cover the European tour more. Eamon Lynch of golf week had a really good article. There's a ton of interesting stuff out there. I, it felt it was, the timing was weird because I, I, I mean, I did I don't know about you. I didn't read or do a ton over Thanksgiving and it was just like, wait, wait a second. Am I reading this right? Like, is it, did this actually happen? It's something that we've talked about or talked around a lot. And then when it happens, you're like, wait, what, why is it like, why is this happening to the timing? I still go back to, it feels like there's kind of maybe more to the, to the story there. Maybe it's as simple as kind of what everybody is writing of. It is fending off uh, the, the premier golf league. Um, I wish, that part, and I don't know how you feel about this, part of me wishes it was like all or nothing, right? Like where it was, okay, either be separate or be together. It's this weird kind of like dance that they're doing where it's like, are they, are they doing this? Are they not doing it? This, it's a little in between. And I don't really know how that's going to play out over the next five or 10 years.
0: Yeah, and and obviously the details are are kind of vague. And I think once we see it in action, this will either make a lot more sense or we're not even, or, or like there's a chance things, business continues as, as usual. And we just are like, oh yeah, the PGA Tour has like a small stake in, in the European Tour, right? Like, I don't know what this looks like in practice.
1: I think the weird part of this for me, and different people have talked about this. I, I heard uh, Brennan and Andy talking about it on the Shotgun Star, but what it means for the Ryder Cup And I think people don't really know the entities that are in charge of the Ryder cup, which is the PGA of America, which runs PGA championship and the Ryder cup. And then the European tour, which runs the European tour. And for the PGA tour, which is sort of a, I wouldn't call it a rival of the PGA of America, but there, you know, there's some egos on both sides there to be partnered with the European tour. But like, that they're the PGA tour is essentially on the opposite side of the country that they're residing in, which is a, it's kind of a strange thing. So I don't know that that means anything in the short term, because again, this doesn't seem to be a full fledged, like they're merging, Yeah, but it could mean something, you know, 12, 15, 20 years from now.
0: Are we are are Gary Player's wins going to become PGA Tour wins at some point? Are we just going to start recognizing all of these as well? Um, we a we victor?
1: we got to <laughs> we got to get some sort of uh, uh currency like uh, some sort of exchange rate on the Sunshine oh, Tour because yeah. we've got all sorts of Sunshine Tour, Asian Tour. I mean, you know, he's traveled more miles than anyone in human history.
0: I know. I've heard that a thousand times. I think. <laughs> yeah. Never lets us forget it. Does he,
1: <laughs> it, it is, it is, um, you know, I th- and uh, I think Rory was the one that talked about this. Like, I think it is good for people to understand casual American golf fans to understand how global the game is yeah. that Brooks Kepka was on the challenge tour for a while. And that was a, that was a helpful, legit, you know, thing. And, and just to see other golf courses, you know, we get so, um, we get in this rut of going to what feels like bridgestone every week that's not true <laughs> and i'm not i'm not saying that every course the pga tour goes to is bad but to see a uh, a course in ireland to see a course in scotland to see a course in england like I, I, even i mean think about the, uh, last year at royal melbourne and and credit pga tour for going to royal melbourne for the president's cup like that was that was freaking awesome like that was yeah. so much fun to watch. And I hope that that is, you know, who knows if it will be, but I hope that that's part of this in the years to come.
0: I do as well. And I also hope that the PGA tour can take a little bit of creativity from the European tour. I feel like the European tour and maybe it's out of necessity that they, they innovate a little bit more. You get, you get different styles, whether it's uh, speed golf or the shootout, they just ran a couple of weeks ago. And maybe it's because they have to be, a little bit innovative because uh you know they don't have all of the the massive sponsorships that the pga tour does and the pga tour is much more traditional right i i'm kind of hoping there's at least an injection of innovation of uh new us like let's try some new things what's the worst that can happen we don't do it again next year like that's that's what i'm hoping that at least the tour gets out of this partnership
1: do you think that in terms of um formatting mostly like in terms of the way tournaments are formatted
0: yeah. I mean, like we see it. I mean, yeah, I, yes, I, I was like the first, the th- my brain was like the social media, like European tour, social media is like the best thing in the world. And like the, the things that they do with 500 shots for a, a hole in one. Oh, I, I would,
1: I would rather watch that than like half the PGA <laughs> tour tournaments. That's
0: what I'm saying. So like, that's good, but yes, I'm also talking about the formats, right? Like they they've done um they've done men's and women's like uh partnership ones. Yeah. Before. They've that's, done
1: that's cool. Speed
0: golf. They've done like, I just think they tr- at least try things more often is yes. Mostly in formatting.
1: Yeah. I, Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard because you can't blame the PGA tour for, I mean, think about like the biggest um, company in any industry, they're going to be more protective than they are proactive. And so it's, I agree. I'm totally with you. It's just, it's hard because when one bigger entity is purchasing, they're not purchasing, but if they were to completely merge with a smaller entity it's hard for me to see them going in the direction of the smaller entity, even though I, I would desire that. And I think the product would be probably better in the long term. It's just there's this fear of what you risk whenever you do that. And I think that a lot of times drives not just PJ Tour, but any big company in any industry.
0: Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let me bring Mark Immelman into this conversation. Mark, can you hear me loud and clear? All good?
2: Yeah, I got you guys. How are you doing?
0: We're doing well. How was, uh, how was your Thanksgiving?
2: It was nice. Uh, my, my wife was abroad uh, with her ailing father, and so my daughters and I were down in Orlando with a family, and it was relaxing, and we played a little golf, and we went to the Kennedy Space Center, which was Ooh. cool. So, uh, so got, was, I was involved in golf, got away from golf, now back home and back in the grind, man.
0: All right. Well, we're going to bring you right in on the PGA Tour European Tour strategic alliance. Kyle and I have just been spending the last couple of minutes bouncing off what what this could look like. And we're kind of anywhere from business as usual to one step closer to a global tour. Like we're just trying to figure out what this might look like in practice. And we want to get your initial thoughts on it.
2: Well, that thing, global tour, I mean, it's sort of been the taboo word for a while from when Greg Norman floated the idea many moons ago to, you mm-hmm. know, the recent foray here earlier this last year, mm-hmm. which threw the cat amongst the pigeons. But but as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I've been in discussions with a number of the the minor tours, um, including the European tour about the PGA tour amalgamating. And we saw it happen in China with great success. We saw it happen in Latino America and Canada as well became the McKenzie tour, now the PGA tour of Canada. And so... So the PGA Tour is the strongest brand in the game. I mean, with respect to the European Tour, they know it too. And with the way the COVID pandemic has whipped just global economies and really has leveled a pretty hefty blow on the European Tour, I think it was probably, I don't want to use the term necessity because I don't know the business ins and outs of this thing. But but the PGA Tour in a position of great leverage. And I feel like they can bring... Um, exposure and they can bring you know much needed funds to the uh, european tour and then to that if you think about it i mean the pga tour largely you know with the world golf championships events this is kind of an extension of that if you will so so i think it's a little business as usual but i think it's a huge shot in the arm for the european tour and then the european tour the guys over there are very creative and and they might bring something to the, the pga tour so so I'm kind of excited. I mean, I'm I'm hearing from buses they, everyone's trying to figure out the schedule for next year and stuff now. And and so for me being in the broadcast element of stuff, heck man, I, I wouldn't mind a, a trip to Malaysia or something okay, like that, well, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is exciting. I mean, I, I don't and maybe it doesn't play out like that. Who who knows how it's gonna play out? But I think if you love golf and if you love golf globally, then I think I think it's you I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about it I do wonder about the financial side and I'm glad Mark brought this up because you know Keith Pelley keeps saying who's the the uh, European Tour CEO keeps saying we're financially strong we're financially strong and people are kind of reporting no you're not no you're not and the thing that the thing that's intriguing the most to me from a financial standpoint is the Ryder Cup and it's not like a huge secret that the Ryder cup in Europe, when it's in Europe um, kind of buoys the European tour for the next three years or or whatever, not to say that other things don't come into play, but that's like the, that's a huge financial windfall. And we haven't missed one of those yet. Like it, it, like the pandemic hasn't uh, it's affected a lot of things. It hasn't specifically affected a European tour Ryder cup in Europe. And so I almost tend to believe what keith pelly is saying at least from a financial standpoint that there may be in a little bit better position that people are giving them credit for and again i that that might be wrong the details um might be or, or i don't know the details so that might be incorrect but it is true that we haven't yet missed a european tour writer cup so I, I i do i don't know i that was just something that i was thinking about
2: no it's a that's a good shout um but Bearing in mind the Europe, the Ryder Cup in Rome, which I am so jacked for, just as an aside, (laughs) it's been pushed back a year now because this edition was pushed back a year, and so funds deferred a different deal to funds in hand, and 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 so I I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of the thing. I was marginally surprised when I saw the um, saw the release, Um, and then the more I thought about it, and the more I talked to my father, I was in Orlando, and. And he's been the commissioner of the South African tour for five, six years or whatever he was. And, and, you know, everyone, the Australian guys, everyone wants to be involved with the tour and the European tour. were doing a great job and they have done a fantastic job and they've gone from strength to strength over recent seasons. But, you know, 2020 has just been odd, man. And, and this is just more of the same as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, we need a first cut meetup, uh, 2023 in Rome for the Ryder Cup. Cool. Would, uh, how much wine would I've, I've, would be? I've got to be. I've
2: got to be honest. A dear friend of mine, David Brooks. Um, I'm letting the cat out the bag here. His son Ben nearly came and played golf for us this year, starting in April or August. And uh, David and his wife were over here, and we were sitting around my dinner table just chatting. And and he's the commercial director for the Ryder Cup for the European Tour. And I was like, hey. Listen, big guy, <laughs> Rome is, is kind of enterprising, you know, and, so, you know and, uh, and then this whole thing happened. Then COVID, you know, came down and then his son ben didn't come over and, and, and there was just so much on the go. So it's so strange. And so I think everyone, um, businesses are just like you and me and everyone listening to this, you know, we're unsure of the future. And so I think this alliance is what it's called. I, I think this is a smart move for all parties.
0: All right, we're gonna keep a close eye on it, obviously, and we'll see as it—it'll, uh, you know, this is like turning a uh, what do they call it? Freight freight train turning a um, what are those big ships called? Where you they host? What are this is ships called? this called? Battleships, is a, Battleship. This, wow! This oh my god! Real,
1: really good radio there, Rick.
2: <laughs> wait, 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 Rick! I still want you to—you made this quip. I, I wanted to remember this the other day, about... Uh, rolling pennies in front of a steamroller. What, what, how's Pick, it
1: go? picking up nickels in front of a steamroller? That's it, yeah, yeah. I, there I it is. Remember that. I have some good <laughs> ones, I have some bad ones. So
0: we'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on this whole strategic alliance moving forward. But we've got PGA Tour action down in Mexico this week. And despite a Dustin Johnson withdrawal, this is still a very strong field. KP, that DJ WD was predictable, right?
1: The most predictable. It should have been the only thing more predictable was a five-time major winner beating two amateurs in a. <laughs> even though I didn't predict it, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I was kind of surprised that he was going to play to begin with, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like it's it, it, and and I guess the reason I say that is this. It's like a weird time because there's nothing before it. There's nothing really after it. It's just kind of this one-off deal that there's no rhythm to it. There's nothing really to kind of prepare for. You can kind of just use the masters and lead into, you know, that's like the end of it. Like I saw Rory's not playing for two months. That's what I would expect of like a top five guy. Um, So I was kind of, I I was a little bit surprised that he was in the field to begin with.
2: To that, um, I don't know the exact um, rules in the player handbook, but, I know the players are required to play in a new event every so often. I don't know what the time frame is on this, so don't, don't quote me on it. But there may have been some of that at play with mm-hmm. Dustin saying, well, I haven't been to Mexico. You know, this is, you know, the the I don't want to call it the the off season because it's not really. But, you know, I may as well go and play. I've got a little mojo going on. Why not win again? Um, but to, to Kyle's point, you know, that Masters victory changes stuff. <laughs> and I'm sure he's living a little large right now.
0: There was a tweet. I wish I had the exact tweet that in the last, like, six months, he's made $28 million or something. And- well, uh,
1: somebody – I think it was uh, – I think it was Lou Brown on Twitter said that since uh, Brooks kind of went at DJ on Saturday night at the PGA, he's won, he's won like, three tournaments and, like, 20, 21 mil or so, and, <laughs> and the Masters. And he's like, you always, you always leave the quiet ones alone, which I thought was great because DJ is – you know, when we've talked about this, DJ is, he's always super nice and he just, he's laid back. He does his own thing. Doesn't bother anybody. And then, you know, Brooksy riled him up and here we are.
0: Here we are is for sure. Uh, Justin Thomas is here. Brooks Kepka, the aforementioned BK, is here. Tony Finau, Abraham Answer, Victor Hovland, Brendan Todd, your defending champion. But here's the storyline I want to get into, gentlemen, because I think this is noteworthy. You know, the it's going to be the end of 2020 here before we know it, which is going to lock in kind of like that first wave of invites, Mark, to the Masters, right? If you're in the top 50 in the official world golf rankings at the end of the year, there's your invite. Obviously, there's going to be ways to get later but uh ricky fowler probably Mm. the biggest name sitting right on that number mark he's number 49 in the world as we embark on mayakoba he's got a little bit of work to do if he wants to assure himself uh, a trip down magnolia lane in april
2: yeah um and fortunately for ricky he's played well at this place before and and there were some semblances at augusta national a little while back that that the the game was running into form and some trust was being built in the golf swing, which for me was the big deal, you know, making an adjustment is one thing, um, applying it in practice is another, and then applying this thing under pressure when it means something is entirely another deal. So, Mm -hmm. so, so it was good for me to see him playing well. And yeah, the, the, the time to make hay is now because you know, each one of these deadlines that goes by is one deadline closer. And as you guys know, I mean, I was the ultimate procrastinator for, when it came to studying for examinations and stuff you know that push gets a little hairy as you get down come down the stretch and if ricky's struggling for a master's invitation you know in march i don't know when the last one is Carl will know but, but but that's not the kind of pressure you want to play with so you'd rather lock this thing up now enjoy christmas and then uh, then, then get busy on the west coast next year
0: Yeah, I have it here. So March 29th would be the, you have to be in the top 50 by March 29th, or of course uh, a PGA tour victory somewhere in there. will will get you in as well. KP kind of a bigger picture on Ricky Fowler. Um, I want to get your level of concern here. So I'm, I'm, I'm I'm talking about year end official world golf rankings. Uh, 2017 finished the year seventh in the world. 2018, he finished 11th. 2019 he finished 23rd we're almost at the end of 2020 he's sitting at 49th this is not a great trajectory uh for ricky fowler what's our concern here is it just a weird 2020 year and he's going through swing changes and we don't care about it
1: well you know we did this with speed right where it was like oh it's you know tweaking his swing and you hear that and you're like, oh, okay, he's, you know, great player. He'll figure it out. And then he doesn't for six months and you're like, well, what's going on here? And, and why were you doing this to begin with when you were a top 15? It's easy to say that on this end of it, because I think on the front end, you'd be like, oh, well, to get in the top three, this is what you need or whatever. You know, maybe, maybe that was kind of in his head. So I, it's very easy for me to criticize where we're sitting now. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, Ricky, Ricky's somebody who he's older than you probably think that he is. I think he's 31 or something like that, which is not old, but there's so many, I mean, think about how many guys have come in and are just like, like Matthew Wolf's better than him. Colin Morikawa is better than him. Will Zalatoris right now is better than him. I don't know if he is overall a better player. Ricky's had a great career, but at some point you start to say, okay, like, what's this going to look like? He's not a, he's, he's not the young guy with potential anymore. Like his career just is what it is. And so I think that's the part that you kind of got to figure this out pretty soon because you're going to look up and be 35, 36 and not that not have that much time left.
0: Mm. Yeah, it it is. It is weird. Mark. We, we always, for how long we've been like, Oh, Ricky Fowler, he's a young gun up and comer. Yeah. He's played the masters 10 times. So, I mean, he's been, he's been around. uh, I, I think Kyle's you know, And we kind of said this about – I feel like we said this about Jason Day before the 2020 season starts. I feel like 2021 will be a real defining year for Ricky Fowler, right?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. And and, and to build on that a little bit, you know, I heard it – Paul Azinger said it best, you know, in, in, in the Southern wisdom that he possesses. He's like, you know, when I was playing well, it felt like I was, I'd never play badly. Mm-hmm. And when I was playing badly, it just felt like I'd never play well. And golf is a fickle mistress. And when the form starts going wrong, you know, it's one thing. It's very difficult to maintain the focus and keep the patience and not panic. And, and you referenced Spieth. I mean, I've seen elements of panic watching him on the golf course before. And, and as soon as you start to add panic to a situation, that's when it gets just you know so hard to deal with, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. And for Ricky, it's an alarming trend. And the, 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 the game is going in the right direction. But the truth of it is the confidence has, has got to be uh, waning. And, and it's hard to compete against the world's best when you've got a low confidence. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are because, you know, you can, yes, the one thing about a swing change, and I know this, I've been on the, the teaching end of a few of these, you know, you research it, you, 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 you look to the potential ramifications, but there's an element of hope that's involved. And you hope this is going to work out. But no one really knows what the future holds to get back to a previous conversation. So, yes, Fowler and John Tillery, they know they're making worthwhile moves, but they don't want to know what tomorrow brings. So, as a player, you're always getting on the tee there going, well, it's going better. How's it going to be under pressure today? And then when you're playing with your foot kind of halfway on the break, I'm trying to compete against DJ and McElroy and JT and all this crowd, you know, this, that, that is next to impossible. So, so for me, I'm I'm a little concerned, right now, and I, my wish is for Ricky not to sort of go down the Jordan Spieth path for a little while. But you know, that all being said, the one thing about these guys is you don't stumble your way onto the PGA Tour, and you certainly don't stumble your way to a Players Championship or a major championship or whatever. So, so, so the pedigree is there, and 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 sometimes, like Zinger said, you know, you're just one swing away from from good golf again. And I hope for Ricky's case, that is indeed the case.
1: Wait, did Ricky win a major and we didn't know about it?
2: No, I was talking about Spieth. Ricky won the player. Oh. <laughs> I was making the analogy there.
1: I think that, you know, one, one case that I made to a couple friends the other day was that, and this is probably unfair to Ricky because again, I, I think Ricky's has actually had kind of an underrated career. He's won a lot all over the world. He's won the players. He's won a Scottish Open. He's been really consistent at majors, and I think it's easy to say, "Oh, he hadn't won a major." Well, yeah, John Rahm hasn't won a major. Like they're freaking hard to win, you know. And you know, DJ had one more major than than Ricky did as of thirty days ago. So I, 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 I don't. That argument's a little um, empty to me. But the the case that I was making is, I wonder if Ricky looks at. Colin Murakawa and sees like, man, that's what, that's what things, you know, could have been, or, or, or should have been this, this kid from California wins a major or has a great amateur career, has a great college career, comes out, wins a major early on. Ricky was really good early on in his career. He almost won the help me out, Mark, the fries, I think early on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Morikawa, I think, has work to do to have Ricky's career still, even though he has a PGA Championship. But my point is that somebody like that's ten years younger, and I wonder how much Ricky looks back. I don't think he. I think he's pretty content with his life, but I do wonder how much he looks at the young guys and think, "Man, like I wish I would have you know just taken advantage of it back when I was that age."
2: Mm, And there's just one more thing. You know, we've talked about the swing changes and stuff, but. I saw Ricky Fowler at the masters with a completely different putter in his hand and not just a different putter, a completely different style of putter as well. And I would have bet my mortgage on that dude from inside 15 feet any day of the week. But all of a sudden, if he has one of the great putters on the PGA tour coming out with a weapon change that speaks to that element of the game too Hmm. battling with unsurety where the golf ball's going and then you're not entirely sure whether you are going to make that five, six, seven footer, that thing that's likely to keep the round afloat when you've missed a green because your swing's not there. <laughs> that is a tough place to be when you're competing, man. Yeah.
0: And he, he told us on this very podcast, that thing's not going away anytime soon. So we better get used to, used to seeing that big old putter in his bag. Uh, gentlemen, we've got matchups to get to. We've got best bets. We've got picks to win, one and done, all that good stuff. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play these super feet insoles go into your shoes give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body not just your feet insoles have been uh phenomenal for me uh, personally and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue reduce injury and improve comfort i can attest to that myself especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that i play so if you feel good you play good you look good everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15 percent off your first order plus free shipping take your business further with a smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpresscom business gold card. And we're back matchups so let's jump right into this abraham answer minus 115 versus harris english also minus 115 kyle we'll start with you who do you like here
1: uh i like sorry i was uh i was not paying attention man i f- i like both of these guys a lot i freaking love answer he I, i've i've followed him around at augusta a little bit and he's just like you watch him and you're like is he that good and then he he just he just scores. He just performs. Like, I I don't know. I I think we've seen him get on heaters before we saw it this time last year at the president's cup. And he rode that momentum into 2020. I'll I'll go with Abraham answer here.
0: He's a gamer, absolute gamer, shows up all the big fields plays. Well, this place does not require distance. Give me answer as well. Mark, uh, I almost called a Mark answer, Abraham answer or Harris English.
2: Well, look, I, I'm wearing my international team gear. You see me yes. over here? Okay. So, uh, so I, I so badly want to pull for Abraham um, in Mexico. I mean, that would be a sensational story. And I've got the utmost respect for his game. And he's a great guy. I'm, I'm a fan. But I just have a sense about Harris English. The guy just the way he's hitting the golf ball right now, the way he puts it, he's going back to a place he's won before. Um, I'm, I'm going Harris English in this one. The next matchup could
0: not be more different. Ben on, worst putter on the planet. Denny McCarthy, best putter on the planet. <laughs> Kyle, take your pick, pick your poison, my friend.
1: I'm always gonna go the the ball striker here. I'll go with Benny
2: on.
0: Me too. I'm such I'm such a sucker. I'll take Benny on as well. Mark, your choice.
2: So you guys made the, uh, the the statement about the ball striker. Where do you think I'm going with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have Danny. Thank you very much. There
0: it is. All right. We'll get Greg's picks later. Uh, we'll have him phone those in. Uh, Brooks Kepka, a sizable favorite, minus 135 over Daniel Berger, Plus 105, Mark. We've not seen Daniel Berger since the Zozo Championship. Uh, and now he's going up against a big dog in Brooks Kepka. Who do you like?
2: Yeah, but Daniel Berger, anytime you put him on any sort of seaside kind of grass, Bermuda grass, that sort of stuff, he just becomes a different animal. And, and, and... And, and there were arguments made on this podcast at one stage here during the lockdown that Daniel Berger was comfortably the best player in the world, and he was certainly playing the best. Remember that stuff?
0: It was, yeah. I think he was atop top. Kyle's power ranks at it one was. point. Of the, yeah. exactly,
2: yeah. I think Kyle might have had him in the top ten ever. <laughs> um, but but just uh, jokes aside, I, I, I think I think I'm going with Berger here, even though he's had time off. He's he's got the kind of technique that lends itself to to just coming back you know there's nothing really to worry about he had shape he's very accurate off the tee and he putts great
0: I want a clip of Kyle looking into the camera and shaking his head like he's Jim Halpert. Like I, I didn't top ten all the time. That was such a good reaction. And he just let it roll. He just let it roll right off. KP, I'll I'll also uh, I'll take Daniel Berger here. He's just so so great all around. Who do you like?
1: First of all, do I need to explain a power ranking to you people? <laughs> you,
0: uh, you do need to explain it to Twitter because Twitter killed you for that power ranking.
1: That was insane. He had he had risen to like the number eleven player in the world from like a hundred, and people were like, no, no. No, no, I'm no. And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's finished in the top 10 in like his last seven events. I don't know what what you want me to do. Um, I'm going to go burger, but it's less about burger than it is. I just, I I can't, I can't do the Brooks thing. I I don't know if this was a major, maybe I'd feel different. I know he played well, at least on the weekend at the Houston open, but I'm just not, I'm not in, I'm not in on Brooks right now.
0: Uh, Jenna's been keeping us up to date on what he's been doing down in Mexico. It looks like tequila and chocolate earlier today, so I'm not sure if Brooks is uh, practicing grinding down the putting greens or just enjoying himself. <laughs> either way, I hope he has a good time. Uh, Corey, <laughs> Corey Connors minus one thirty versus Willie Z, Will Zalatoris plus one hundred. KP, we'll just go back to you on this.
1: Couple of great ball strikers here. I- I'll go with. Um, Connors has been playing pretty well. Um, What's the number? Who's the underdog? Zalatouris. I'll go with Zalatouris then, Um, even though Connors has has been really solid.
0: Connors has been dynamite for his last four starts, Mark. It's either him or Will Zalatouris.
2: There's a little scar tissue here for me because I believe I picked Connors over Zalatoris in a previous matchup we had uh, down the road. Well, maybe it wasn't Connors, but it was someone like that. And, and and will stung me, so I, I'm going to go with Zelatorus over here. I'm I'm going to turn my uh, my tide.
0: I'll make it a clean sweep and stay on brand with Willie Z. I don't know how we got a second Harris English matchup, gentlemen, but we have uh, producer Jacob loving Harris English this week. This time he's up against Justin Thomas, the favorite. So JT is minus 190 versus Harris English at plus 150. So KP, this is a big gap. You can get a lot of value if you like Mr. English.
1: Yeah. This is annoying because I'm picking JT to win. So I guess I have to pick him here, but there's, there's way too much value with, with Harris English, right? Like he's been, he's been like the, I mean, he's the, he's the third biggest favorite in this field, right? Isn't he like 16 to one or 15 to one, something like that. Yeah. He's been awesome over the I think he's got four top tens in his last eight starts, including, uh at the rsm including a u.s open like he's been unbelievable um but i'll go with jt just because i'm picking him to win
0: i'm also going with jt but mark i gotta tell you i'm a little worried about it because and we've talked about it on this pod where uh, like when he misses off the tee he misses kind of really bad and i'm and i'm worried that you got to be in the fairway around el chameleon the first time i got to drop that in the pod today
2: <laughs> i was hoping to get it in before you that's the one of the coolest names of golf courses we play um you're right about that, but the one thing JT does is he goes to that little fairway finder of his, and he can flight the ball down. And he's he's he's, 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 the, he's the complete package, and he's got a long way to go go to uh, achieve Carl's golf or how many twenty five wins this decade or whatever it is. Yep, he, um, he's
0: he's well. Go He's ahead. got a lot of time left as well.
2: That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's going to play like fifteen, sixteen events a year. You know, we'll multiply that by ten. Anyhow, um, I'm going with Harris after all of that. Um, I think Harris English is a really good pick here this week, and he's playing great.
0: I love it. Um, Time for picks. Let's start with sleepers. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Brendan Todd, your defending champion, I think he's like 50, 55 to 1, thanks to our friends over at William Hill. He's been dealing with that toe injury. Greg and I kind of uh, hashed this out a bit on Monday's show. Obviously a great fit for him. Got the extra week off his feet. I'm going back to be Todd as my sleeper. KP, who is your sleeper? What's
1: Brendan Todd's number?
0: I think he's 55 to 1. 55? He is. I can get it right now. He was 50 to 1 this morning. He's 45 to 1 right now on William Hill.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to go with John Huh.
0: He's playing on a, a medical exemption, I believe, right?
1: Wait, he's he's I... played
0: well in like his... What, I thought, you thought I, I just had a better reaction to that.
1: I thought I just knocked you guys out. I thought my screen went froze. <laughs> uh, he's 100 to 1. He's got two top 20s in his last three starts, and nobody else is going to pick him. So I'll go, I'll go
2: with John Hunt. But, but how does this work? Because they've, they've got a thing on William Hill where it's top South Korean player, and he's not even listed over there.
1: I think he's American.
2: Okay. Well, forgive me then. My mistake.
1: Didn't he? uh
0: I don't know. he was born in, well he was born in new york new york
2: oh okay strike me from the record in
0: 1990 mistake. oh these kids um, yeah
1: that's tough
2: to swallow uh, to get me done, i'm sorry buddy
0: uh mark your sleeper has a great track track record around here
2: mm, and he's been playing beautifully over the last little bit to Emiliano and grillo um you know he's he's really starting to the green um He's, I think, the stroke average around this place is well under 70, and he's he's finished in the top 15 a bunch and played well here the last time we were out at Sea island. He was part of the mix. I remember over the weekend there, so I think he continues the 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 trend. So I'm going with Grilo there There is a sleeper, and we're gonna give you a pass on John Ha. Huh? He was born in New York, grew up in
0: South Korea, and then moved back after like 14 years. So you're, you're that's the confusion here. Mm-hmm. Um, top 10 locks, gentlemen. I'm going to go with Daniel Berger. Uh, I think that the markets have a bit disrespected him just because we haven't seen him play. When you don't see a guy play for four or five weeks, he kind of goes overlooked. Uh, I I wasn't on board with Kyle's power rankings a couple of months ago, but I was closer than a lot of others. So I like Daniel Berger a lot. KP, your top 10 lock.
1: My top 10 lock is, uh, I can't remember who I wrote. I think it was Harris English. Yeah, it was Harris English. Uh, I did. I think I had Finau, but I, I ended up going with Harris English. He's been – he's just been – I mean, think about guys who 12 months ago were in a different – like a much different place than they are right now. You think about Brendan Todd. You think about Harris English. Harris English is number 33 in the world this time. Last year, I think he was like 400 in the world. I mean, he's had such a great last 12 months. Sebastian Munoz is another guy I'd throw in there. So I'm going to go with him as my top 10 lock.
0: Mark, your top 10 lock is my pick to win, so preach on it for us.
2: Abraham, um, <laughs> I, I've, the way he's playing right now, answer is is just awesome. You know, he, he's really reliable off the tee. He's got a dynamic, he's got a killer short game. I mean, the guy spins it with a wedge around the green as much as anyone I've seen. And and he's got a lot of swagger about him. My my only concern, and i got to tell you, I don't know if you've seen his caddy Dale is a right. i, I got to be honest with you. And I found him on Instagram the other day. And he does a daily hot dog review, which is just oh worth your while. You've got to go and see this. And so, so, so Dale is a rat. I'm just not so sure. How he's going to find hot dogs down in, uh, in the Mayakoba area, but I'm sure he will. So, but, but th- that aside, I, I think Abraham this week in Mexico, um, I have a sense he's going to go well. He's the
0: highest ranked player in the world without a win on either the PGA tour or the European tour that stops right now he wins in mayakoba i love it playing well great history and uh it's good fit for him kp you're where are we at pick to win kyle yes pick to win
1: jt give it to me number three
0: this will be three uh with then what 22 more to go in the next nine years that's
1: right so (laughs) three three a year
0: not even if he wins this one he can go he could do two and a half a year yeah. It's over. If he went Mark, if he
1: wins this one, it's over. Explain if he it. wins this one, I might go Vince Carter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I must have misunderstood the bet. So he's gonna win 25 times in 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, it's gonna
1: be lights out with this one.
2: Uh so basically he's gonna be Dustin Johnson in the next nine and three quarter years, right?
1: Every year for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think he is. I think he's I think he's this generation's Dustin Johnson.
0: Mm, okay. Mark, your pick to win. The Mayakoba Golf Classic.
2: Well, if JT wants to help Kyle to achieving this ludicrous bet, <laughs> he's going to have to beat Harris English. Um, the way English is playing, he's, play, he's played well here before. He plays well here consistently, and he's won. And I'm, I'm always a believer in guys who are playing well. You know, there's the horses for courses argument, and he's got that going for him. But if you want to see who's likely to play well the next week, go and look at the leaderboard from the week prior. And Harris has been playing awesome. And he played well down in Sea Island, too, for a long while. So uh, I think Harris does it again.
1: Boys, well, um, uh, sorry to butt in. I got to run here. Have a good one. Take it
2: easy, see, bud. See ya. See ya.
0: Uh, I will also loop that in for you, Mark, is your one and done uh, mm. lean for the moment. I'm looking towards Victor Hovland, who has been uh, very sneaky piling up these top 15 finishes all over. His one win has come on those pesky Paspalum greens like we're going to see down in Playa del Carmen this week. So I'm leaning towards Victor Hovland.
2: I want to just add, because I found out in the last time I was on the show that I'd picked Xander twice in our league. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I penalized myself by sitting out this week, but this is really stinging. I've got to tell you, because I, I, I have a high suspicion about English. And to, and to spend points on this because of self-penalization is gonna be hard. <laughs>
0: In your defense, we have just been submitting picks via text to Jacob with like, <laughs> and then Jacob finally <laughs> dropped on us like, here's the uh, here's the spreadsheet of all the picks, and I was like, oh, that would have been nice to have a couple of weeks ago, I so need yes. to
2: see that thing now.
0: Very, very honest uh, of you, Mark. Who's gonna take a take us? He's gonna sit out here, uh, but would have gone with Harris English. Um, time for best bets, and Mark, you've chosen one that I really like. It's a group bet. What is it?
2: Oh well, you know me. I normally pick the country, uh, the <laughs> country bets, but I've been listening to you guys talk about these groups and stuff, and I'm just scrolling up the page here to see them. Um, there's a group there, t- uh, tournament group E. Yes. Dudesberger, who I like. Munoz, who's playing great. Alex Norin, Adam Long, and Ches hmm but Joaquin Neiman, um, before he had to sit out with COVID-19, the guy was just a banshee. And he always is. And he's again, it's an idiosyncratic swing that's all his own. But it never seems very much that he gets very off. And he can hit the golf ball knee-high to a grasshopper. And when you get some wins going on and and you playing in a place where you have to hit it accurately, you fly the golf ball down. So I think this is playing right into his wheelhouse. Yes, he's probably a little rusty because he hasn't played some, but still... You've got to beat like, what's that, six guys in that group? So at plus 333, I think is a good bet.
0: Yeah, and he looked like he was starting to shake off the rust. His worst round at the RSM was Thursday. His best round was Sunday. That's that's pretty nice to see, you know, shake off the rust a little bit, come in and close on a Sunday. Um, I've got a top 10 bet here. It's Russell Knox to finish inside the top 10 at 6-1 to one on my money. Uh, he's been inconsistent, but he pops when he plays well. He's had a good run of success around Mayakoba, and I don't think it's any surprise that Kyle – departs the pod mark right before he drops into the chat that one of his best bets is brooks kepka to miss the cut he didn't even want to have to defend it he just drops in the chat and gets the heck out of here
2: he's making friends all over the place isn't he it's gary player and it's brooks kepka i mean how many many bulletin boards is kyle porter on around the uh, nation that's my question
0: yeah a, a ton absolutely um okay that'll do it mark we're going uh round by round this week, so there's plenty of content for the final PGA Tour event of the calendar year. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. This is a this is a, I, I not even get into this. This course to me is one of the most visually uh, appealing courses that we go to, right? It's beautiful out there.
2: Mm, it really is, and you have got those mangroves around there, and and the place that the players stay. I've never been, but everyone I've spoken to, they're like it's awesome. The players, you you uh, you try, you get transported in these little um, basically boats around the mangroves around to your hotel room and such yeah. and of course there's mexican food and then margaritas i mean what more do you want
0: can't beat it uh that's mark Immelman, who you can find on twitter at mark underscore Immelman. kyle porter who joined us you can find at kyle porter cbs you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time